many of you can remember that great classic hit from Garth Brooks back in the 90s? Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. You know it. Some of you may have even gone country line dancing to it. Who knows? But the song goes that, that Garth Brooks and his wife run into his old high school flame at a football game. And when he runs into her, he begins to remember all the prayers that he prayed at night, that, that God would make her his wife. And he, as he goes on in, in the song, he sings further and further about it. He begins to realize that that girl that he remembered from days gone by is not quite the angel that he thought she was. And as he walked away, he looked at his wife and he thanked the good Lord for the gifts in his life. And then you cue that dramatic chorus and, and everybody goes crazy about sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Remember when you're talking to the man upstairs that just because he may not answer, it doesn't mean he don't care. Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. How many of us have wanted that to be true? We, we look back on those days gone by when we prayed for certain things and we do thank God that some of those prayers that we prayed for were unanswered. Sometimes we are truly thankful and then other times we think, why is God not listening? Why is God not answering those prayers? Prayer has become so many things to so many people. For some people, our prayers are real and raw, and then for some, they can become a bit trivialized. How many people yesterday were praying on both sides of the field for a victory in the Iron Bowl? And somebody's prayers weren't going to be answered at the end of the game because they were going to play as many overtimes as they needed to, even if it amounted to the cheerleaders playing dodgeball at the end of it. Somebody had to finish that game, and there had to be a victor. But people were probably praying, some were. But what about those people who do pray those real and those raw prayers that go unanswered? What about the person who desperately prays for their sister to live and then she still dies of cancer? What about when an entire group of people is praying for a miracle that never happens? Or what about the couple that prays and prays and prays for a child and they struggle with infertility? Adam Hamilton, the preacher at Church of the Resurrection, he tells of a woman in his congregation who did struggle with infertility. And she finally, after all these different rounds of IVF and things like that, she finally gets pregnant. And about five months in, she finds out that if she carries the baby to term, that she's likely going to die. And in the end, the baby ends up not making it. And the woman told him, she said, I couldn't understand why after all of that, my prayers finally answered why it was taken away from me. Do we always thank God for unanswered prayer? Some people end up leaving the church because they feel like God has abandoned them. They feel like God hasn't heard. And they wonder why a good and a loving God would not answer their desperate petitions. A lot of folks, they struggle with the will of God. And when we pray, thy will be done, why doesn't it always add up to the way we think it ought to? Why do bad things still happen to good people? Some people try to offer words of encouragement or, or words of comfort. It's all part of God's plan. When people experience a terrible loss, 
that's a really tough thing to hear when your prayers have gone unanswered. Is that really, is that really how God works? Does God really need to kill a teenager in a car accident or inflict a terminal illness upon somebody or cause financial hardness on a hardworking family or cause a child to even be born with a genetic defect that alters their quality of life? Some people struggle with, well, you just don't have enough faith. You just, you didn't pray hard enough. You're just, you don't have enough faith. And they blame the people for lacking faith as a reason that their prayers have gone unanswered. That's a tough pill to swallow and a tough thing to put on somebody who's struggling. Unanswered prayers, they're a struggle for all people of faith. And after a while, it can lead folks to uh, experience skepticism. They can fall into great doubt and great despair, and it can lead to hopelessness. And I imagine that Zechariah, the priest, he felt a lot of those emotions. I imagine him feeling that despair and that doubt and that hopelessness. He had many unanswered prayers. And then in a matter of an hour, several of those things were answered out of nowhere for him. In the scripture, we, we know, it tells us, Zechariah and Elizabeth were well beyond childbearing years. And yet, the scripture tells us they were righteous and blameless. They had done everything they were supposed to according to the law of Moses. Zechariah had done his priestly duty. He had continued on in the, the order of Abijah, even though he had not had his prayers answered. Elizabeth, it tells that she comes from the family of Aaron, which means she also comes from a, a, a priestly order. And any daughter of a priest was expected to marry another priest, and so she had fulfilled those duties. She had married another priest, and they had lived faithfully. They've been faithful, and yet their prayers for a child have gone unanswered. It's reminiscent of their ancestors of Abraham and Sarah, of Isaac and Rebekah, of Elkanah and Hannah. And in their culture, you're expected to have children. It was considered a great blessing. It was considered God's will that, that you have a child. Having a child was essential for carrying on the family name. It perpetuated God's covenant with Israel. And not only that, it provided care for parents in their old age. If a woman was barren, it was regarded as a tragedy. It was seen as a sign of disgrace. It, is, it was even seen as a sign of God's punishment. And so imagine Zechariah and Elizabeth praying and praying and praying. And according to cultural expectations, being told you're a disgrace. You are a disgrace. God is surely punishing you. And yet in the midst of that, they remained righteous and blameless. They continued to fulfill the covenant that was made with the law of Moses. Imagine how they felt. Skeptical. Despair. Doubtful, hopeless. But God had something different in mind. Zechariah, he showed up at the temple that day, maybe even thinking it was going to be like the other times he had shown up at the temple, that he wasn't going to get to go inside. But it was his order. It was their turn to serve. Each order served. There were 24 groups, and each one served twice a year. 
And when they would all gather there, his order, they would compile a list of names of all the priests who had not ever gotten to go inside the temple and present the, the incense on the altar. They were chosen by lot, which means maybe putting their names in a hat or however it was they, they, they chose people by lots back in the day. And it meant, if you think about it, if it was only the priests who had never been inside, it meant that you only got to go inside once in your lifetime if your name was chosen. So Zechariah may have been thinking, God hasn't answered my prayers in the past. God's punishing me for something. Why would I get to go inside the temple? But he reported for duty. And he finally gets the honor of a lifetime. He gets chosen by lot to go inside in the temple and present the offering on the altar. He's prepped his whole life for this. He knows exactly what he's supposed to do. All the priests know that you go in, you do your duty, and you get out. It's not some place that you go in and you linger, even though it would be a pretty amazing experience. You go in, you do your duty, and you come back out. And when you come out from doing your duty, you are supposed to pronounce the priestly blessing before the whole crowd. But once Zechariah goes inside, things take a turn. He's in there a little bit longer than they thought he was going to be. And an angel, of all things, appears to him and tells him that he's going to have a child. And that angel tells him it's not just any child that you're going to have. This child will be filled with the Holy Spirit. This child will be the forerunner to the Messiah. Imagine Zechariah, the skeptic. Imagine him being there in the temple and being told all of this. Gabriel dropping all of these bombs on him one after another and saying, you'd given up the possibility of having children. Guess what? You're going to have a child. Furthermore, he wasn't expecting to meet an angel that day in the temple. This didn't happen to other priests. No other priests had come out talking about having seen angels in the temple. And not only that, the prophecies of the Messiah that, that he had heard from generation to generation to generation was coming to fruition with his son. That's a pretty big deal. I imagine him standing there looking at Gabriel and saying, hold up, Gabriel, hold up. I'm going to need a minute to digest everything you just told me. Not only have I gotten to come in the temple today, but now you're telling me I'm having a child that I've prayed for and given up hope for, and that child's going to be the forerunner to the Messiah. It's enough news to leave anybody speechless. And it certainly does leave him speechless, literally, as Gabriel makes him mute. And so when he comes out, having taken longer than most priests, and he's there to pronounce the priestly blessing, he can't do it. He's speechless. God is definitely up to something with Zechariah. How is it that God answers prayers? Some of them come true for people like it did for Zechariah and Elizabeth. And for some people, they manifest themselves in other ways. As Paul, the Apostle Paul, he wrote to the Philippians. He wrote to them and he says, don't worry about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, 
will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In everything by prayer, make your requests made known to God. God hears all of our prayers. Some of them are answered and some of them are not. But in the midst of it, what we do know is that God is with us. God comes to us in different ways. Sometimes it's through angels out of nowhere. And other ways, it's in, other times it's in more subtle ways. But in the midst of it, we are reminded that God is with us, sustaining us and strengthening us and giving us comfort. It doesn't always happen in the way that we prayed for it to. But when you look back across your life, you see how God has been working and moving and sustaining and strengthening you throughout the journey. Sometimes God has even been carrying you when you couldn't put one foot in front of the other. God is with each and every one of us, especially the skeptics. God was with Zechariah and with Elizabeth. And in the midst of it, even in the midst of them feeling that doubt and that despair, they never gave up. They were righteous and blameless and continued in their walk with God. The woman that that Adam Hamilton talked about who had prayed for a child and lost it, she said that she struggled for so long with the why. Why did this happen to me? Why can my prayers not be answered? And she said at some point something switched within her and within her husband, and they began, instead of asking why, they began to ask, what now? They began to pray to God, what now? And she says once they did that and the peace came over them, that it led them to Russia, to three girls who needed parents as much as they needed children. Those sisters needed a home to be loved just as much as those parents wanted to love them. Life doesn't always turn out the way that we hope for it to. Even now, there are questions that I have and prayers and petitions that I want to ask God for that are very specific, but at the same time, I'm reminded again and again that God is with me throughout it all. God is with each and every one of us in our greatest joys and in our greatest sorrows that God walks with us. In the midst of life, I encourage you to pray for guidance. Pray what now? Pray for comfort, for strength. Pray for that deep peace that passes all understanding. And you'll be reminded again and again and again that God is with us, whether our prayers go answered or whether they go unanswered. God is truly with us. We are not alone. Let us pray. Eternal God, we do give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks for the ways in which you work and move in our lives. We give you thanks that you are our Emmanuel, that you are always with us, guiding us and strengthening us and encouraging us. Walk with us during these days of Advent. Help us to see your light even in the darkest of places. In these dark days of December that eventually break forth into the light, 
of winter. Help us to always feel your presence. Fill us with your Holy Spirit so that others may see you in us, so that others may come to know you fully, so that others will also know that you are with them every step of the way. God, we do pray for our world. We pray for leaders to seek your wisdom and to seek your will, to lay aside selfish motives and to work for the good of all people. God, we pray for those who are grieving today. May they feel your deep peace. May they feel your arms wrapped tightly around them. May they feel your overwhelming love and light. God, guide us in the days ahead to be your people of the light. We pray this all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, whose coming we await. And now we pray together the prayer that he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.